Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, talk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Well, welcome. We are talking about Bullet Train this week. But before we get into that, let's introduce ourselves and answer the question, what is your favorite train movie? I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm here in Nashville, Tennessee. And this might be a little bit of a cheat, but I mean, my favorite train movie is Before Sunrise. Ah, that is a little bit of a cheat. (laughs) Here's the thing. I looked at a list of train movies thinking like, okay, what, what, what am I missing? Because Before Sunrise was the first thing that popped to my mind. Yeah. And it turns out I haven't seen most of the good train movies. The only two that I have seen, and I think uh, I didn't like them particularly, were Snowpiercer and and Source Code. Um, Mm. And so between Snowpiercer, Source Code, and Before Sunrise, that's an easy choice. Yeah, yeah. If those are your options, uh, not much to choose from. Um, I'm Lucas Wright from Chicago, and my favorite train movie is James Bond's From Russia With Love. Um, I think it is one of the best Bond movies, period. Uh, It's more low-key. It is very much like a a mystery thriller on a train. It's very fun. Nice. You know, I love the idea of a train movie. I just, you know, haven't seen (laughs) it. Realize I haven't seen them. None of them have come up to your standards yet. (laughs) Not not quite. (laughs) Well, before we start talking about Bullet Train, every week we like to talk about something we've either discovered or rediscovered throughout the week. So, Sandra, tell us what you're feeling. Okay, so this week I'm going to bring back something I probably have brought up and feeling it before. Um, this week I watched the season finale of season two of F-Boy Island on HBO Max. I, I love reality TV. Lucas, I know that you're not a huge reality TV watcher. Here's my question for you. Yes. Have you or do you watch any of the reality dating shows? No. Mostly what I dislike is the reality dating show. Have you <laughs> I'm not against reality TV. Ever it's watched just any the of them? I've watched, uh, we, we talked about The Bachelor. That's what I or thought, The Bachelorette yeah. at, at one point. Um, those are probably the only shows that I've ever watched. Okay. So here's what I will say. I'm not saying that this is a show that like I think you will particularly like. But <laughs> what I do want to say is that F-Boy Island is very distinct from The Bachelor. Even though it is created by um, one of, of a former producer of Bachelor in Paradise. Um, F-Boy Island really stands out to me in the reality TV um, dating landscape. There's a lot of options, a lot of bad, some good. I think the Bachelor Bachelorette has like held the grip for the longest time. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, it seems like Love Island is the new star that everyone is excited about. I am not watching Love Island, but when I have, I've loved it. The problem with Love Island is that it's like 60 episodes a season. Like it's <laughs> so much to watch yeah. that I, I I cannot commit myself to that. The rest are, are often pretty bad. Um, I, I, I don't subject, <laughs> subject myself to like a love is blind or um, 
I'm trying to think of another one that is particularly bad. But I always, in the past two seasons that they that it's been available, I gotten I've been so excited for F Boy Island. The concept of F Boy Island is that instead of there being you know, one woman with a group of men like The Bachelorette. It's three women, and the group of men is a mixture of nice guys, quote-unquote, and F-boys. Um, self-proclaimed F-boys, I should say. <laughs> um, guys who are players, who, you know, lie to women, who, you know, are selfish. The, the You know, the stereotypical F-boy. And... The concept of the show is that these women get to date all these men, choose, you know, narrow it down, eliminate some each week. And at the very end of the show, if they pick a nice guy, the woman and the guy get to split $100,000 down the middle. Um, If they pick an F boy, the F boy gets the $100,000 and he gets to choose if he wants to keep it all for himself or if he wants to split it with this woman that has fallen for him. <laughs> and so it there's what I like about F Boy Island. One, I think it's a great concept. Like the stakes are clear. Whereas in a lot mm-hmm. of shows the stakes are very vague, right? There it's heartbreak is ultimately the stake, you know. Yeah. Which is, you know, fine, but like that's inherent in these shows. Stakes yeah. are clear in this show. Um also, the second thing that I really love about this show that I think separates it from every other dating show is the tone of the show. It's all about being lighthearted and funny, and it does not take itself too seriously. My least favorite thing about The Bachelor or The Bachelorette is that these shows end in these engagements and that there it's like you found your soulmate, the one person you're going to spend the rest of your life with when these relationships rarely work out. And we all know this. And and why does it have to be so serious? This show is not about finding your soulmate. No one's getting engaged. (laughs) It is, you know, like someone that they pick at the end of the season to possibly be in a relationship with and date for a little bit. Um, I really appreciate that this show like understands what it is and doesn't try to be more than that. Um, also, when I say that this show is lighthearted and funny, it's not like funny in the way reality TV tries to be funny. It's actually funny. Um, a big part of that is that the host is Nikki Glaser, a really successful stand-up comedian that I love, who, yep. in addition to being great at stand-up, She's especially good at roasts. If you've ever watched Comedy Central roasts, um, she I don't love them, but she the times that I have seen clips, she's my favorite part of them. She's so good. <laughs> and she uses those abilities to keep the, the show moving along, but also roast a bunch of guys that deserve roasting. You know, like th- these yeah. are the people that we want to see her talents unleashed upon. And she does so in a way that's like not that vicious. You know, she's, she's telling, she's roasting them, but there's no like mean spirit or like, you know, these guys are all there and they know what they're, they're not, they know what they're there as and they're in mm-hmm. on the joke. Um, the show plays a lot with like using modern like lingo in fun ways. 
there's a whole section and you know in a lot of reality shows after the season there's like a a men tell all or a reunion episode right (laughs) in this show they do it towards the end of the season but before the finale and they call it the mansplain where (laughs) all of the men that have been eliminated kind of give the dirt on the remaining guys before the women make their decision oh interesting yeah and so it's it's very fun, ultimately. Um, like I said, the second season just finished airing on HBO Max. I think both seasons are really great to watch. One thing I loved about the second season is that they brought back the most charming and engaging people from season one that didn't win and mm-hmm. brought them back to season two because they're great television. And you know, 90% of reality TV is casting. And they do a really good job at casting really, really charming guys, um, really fun guys, um, and, and and women who can hold their own against them. I think what I've what I've realized while you've been talking through this is, I I love game shows, yeah. And these are all game shows, but most of them don't act like they're game shows, right? Whereas F Boy Island seems like it knows it's a game show and is and is act actively pursuing that audience and so i could get into it 100 percent, and like everyone is aware that money is on the line and yeah. there's like things that are revealed people's statuses are revealed whether they're an f-boy or a nice guy um so there's like twists and turns the rules change and it is much more like a competition than anything else. It, it, yeah. it is aware that this is a competition in the way that something like The Bachelor tries to pretend it's not a competition when it, we all know that it is. I actually, I might check this out. I think, okay, <laughs> tell, please tell me if you do. Um, it, you know, it's worth it if you're only watching it for Nikki Glaser alone. She's such, yeah. she's so great at hosting. That's great. What are you feeling this week? Um, this week I am feeling a brand new movie to Hulu called Prey. This is directed by Dan Trachtenberg, who did uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, um, which I really enjoyed. And I was very excited to see his take on a Predator movie. Uh, Sandra, have you watched any of the Predator movies? Hell no. Did we talk about one of the Predator movies on this podcast? No, I've I've never seen a single one. I couldn't even really tell you what they're about other than a monster. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Um, I really enjoy the first Predator. It's kind of a parody of an action movie. The first Predator is really the most macho guys you've ever seen go out into the jungle and run into a thing that they can't actually take on. Um... And basically Arnold Schwarzenegger as the last man mm. <laughs> has to outwit um, the, the the Predator, which is basically just a, a high-tech alien who's killing for fun. That movie is good. The rest of the movies are actually quite bad. Okay. <laughs> um, but this movie, I think, is so interesting because it takes um, – that you know what we've seen from the predator movies or what i've seen from the predator <laughs> movies and transports it to 1700s um great plains era and so the protagonist of this movie is a young comanche woman who is very uh feels very stuck in kind of her life um wanting to be a warrior wanting to be part that part of the tribe and the men in her life basically not allowing her to participate not allowing her to be Um, what she wants to be and setting a predator movie here, I think is very interesting because it takes away a lot of the 
again, the first movie is kind of a play on the machismo um, action movies of the time. And this really digs into, I think, some of the male-centric attitudes toward female-driven movies mm. at the time, right, that, we, that we're, we have right now. Um, and I think what it does in a very interesting way is kind of dissects the idea of, of predators in general. And having this alien come to um, a planet where he is woefully overprepared <laughs> for absolutely everything that's here. Um, and kind of the way that he is hunting down that, that the alphas that he runs into. And that that's not just humans, but any kind of predator he's, he's kind of taking out. And I think it also plays into kind of the what America looked like at that time with fur trappers coming in and people with advanced technology um, kind of taking over and um, preying on those who don't have that technology. And it's, it's, I think it's one of the most interesting genre um, franchise movies um, that I've seen in a long time. I feel like any franchise movie is very set on a set of rails <laughs> trying to do something similar to what the other movies have done. Mm. And this is so far out of left field and is a very good movie. It's very tight. Um, it is very uh, sparse as far as dialogue and as far as characters, um, it feels like a it feels like a, a, a like wanting to be a small character driven movie that just happens to have a predator in it. <laughs> um, this movie is available in English, and it is also available within a Comanche dub, which is the one that I watched um, on Hulu. Oh, cool! Which was very fun to see. So the whole thing is in Comanche, um, and it's such a unique movie in that way. Um, I really enjoyed it a lot, and I am planning on watching it probably many more times this year. <laughs> Here's a question that I feel like I should know the answer to, but I, I just yeah. realized I don't. Yeah. Is the Predator in these Predator movies, is it a character or a beast? It's a beast. Okay. It's a beast, yeah. Got it. And it's not necessarily even the same beast. It's like a type of alien Got it. That's, that's goal is to hunt down the best like basically come come to come to earth and game hunt okay is what it is what its goal is gotcha so so that's prey it's available on hulu i would highly recommend it sandra i even think you might like it oh, interesting <laughs> um i i normally have zero interest in any kind of like beast hunting movies yes um, yeah but yeah i, I might give it a give it a shot yeah I think it, it, it has, obviously, any movie like that is going to have some horror elements. Sure. But I think this is more um, like action thriller uh, elements that is, is very fun to see. Cool. All right. I think it's time for us to talk about Bullet Train. Absolutely. Train is the newest movie directed by David Leach, um, who directed Atomic Blonde and was a huge part of the John Wick movies. Um, he was also originally Brad Pitt's stunt double. Um, so it's fun to see them teaming up again. 
Um, Brad Brad Pitt plays a uh, a criminal in an underworld, where, but where, who has just come out of I think a, a good bit of therapy, um, and is taking a low key job of picking up a briefcase on a train, and that's it. Obviously, um, a lot goes down after that. The cast includes Joy King, Aaron Taylor Johnson, and Brian Tyree Henry. Um, I think this movie is. One of the first movies, like big movies, that I think started shooting during COVID. Mm. Um, I, it's it's something that I think was at the very beginning of the year. It was like one of my most highly anticipated movies of the summer. So, Sandra, how did this movie work for you? This movie didn't really work for me, ultimately. <laughs> um, you know, this movie doesn't anger me or, or you know greatly disappoint me it's fine there are parts that are fun there are parts that don't really work i think what's frustrating about this movie is the potential that is not realized right like brad pitt in this big starring role doing comedy doing action um i think i don't remember what trailer you showed me long ago but whatever Mm -hmm. it was was really exciting i remember being like oh i'm uh, I'm on board the train. Like, this is exactly what I want out of a summer movie. Yeah. Yeah, and this movie is just, it, it falls flat in a lot of ways. There, th- there are golden moments and definitely golden performances, I will say, in this movie. The mm-hmm. frustrating thing about this movie, ultimately, is I, I didn't really pay attention when I was going into it on who the director was and that director's past work. And, you know, I think... Maybe you had told me, like, it's the director of, you know, Atomic Blonde, John Wick, which got me really excited. Mm-hmm. And, but then when you when you look a little bit more down the line, there's <laughs> Deadpool 2 and Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Yes. You know, our favorite ones. <laughs> right. <laughs> and those are two movies. I actually haven't seen Deadpool 2, but I did. I don't enjoy the Deadpool like tone from the first movie that I'm assuming continued to the second movie. Yes. Yes. Um, and the humor of that and of Hobbs and Shaw very much do not work for me. I, it is not humor that I appreciate or want to be a part of. And that sadly was not to the extent probably of those movies, but that it was brought into bullet train and in a way that kind of soured the film for me. I think that if this movie had been either actually funny or not tried to be funny, I would have appreciated it so much more. Yeah. So it was a little bit of a bummer, but I think it has some things that I like did find very fun and would, and once I want to talk about more. Yeah. Um, I think I'm right there with you. I don't think this movie works at all. I think there are, like you said, there's some very fun moments. Um, I was really, I think, let down by the action in this movie. Mm. Um, when you talk about movies like Atomic Blonde and John Wick, there is a particular uh, level of craft to the action. Um, whereas when you talk about Deadpool and um, Hobbs and Shaw that is a much lower bar. And I think this definitely fits more into that low bar of action um, that um, we've come to see from his recent movies, which is uh, pretty sad. I feel like there's a lot that you could do on a train like this um, with the kind of action available. And I think the set pieces 
are a lot of like really good ideas just executed in a way that isn't as um i think enjoyable there's a lot of quick cutting a lot of you know panning moving the camera all around and stuff like this that it's just it, it, a lot of cgi blood a lot of cgi blood um in ways that just really i think takes away from the performances <laughs> that you're going for here um and really just makes it more of a spectacle and i think um this reminds me a lot of a lot of Guy Ritchie movies like Snatch or um, his most recent movie, The Gentleman, which I actually enjoyed The Gentleman. Um, and I think what what this doesn't have that The Gentleman has is uh, a, a big group of characters that are all performing at the same level <laughs> and all definitely in the same movie. And I think one of the things that you get from this movie, and I don't know if it's COVID, but the amount of uh, just taking two people and putting them in a train car by themselves to have conversations yeah. and then taking another set of people and putting them in train cars by themselves to have conversations. Um, that really just like sucks the energy out of <laughs> this movie and it's constantly happening. And so you don't get this ensemble kind of that you're, you're promised from the movie. You're getting these pair ups constantly, mm-hmm. um, which I think can be fun, but it just isn't utilized well here. Um, I think, like I said, Guy Ritchie movies really lean into the chaos of um, kind of these ridiculous movies, but I think they 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 know what tone they're going for and match it. Whereas this really, I think, is kind of all over the place. Like you said, if if it weren't as humorous and was was more of a serious movie, um, I think that would work. Or if it went just full comedy, um, I think that might work as well. But it really fell in this middle ground where the some of the some of the funny lines feel like they're just kind of tagged on to serious scenes just to um, just to lighten the mood. Um, I also don't think this is Brad Pitt's best performance. No, sadly it isn't. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think he can be very funny, and I think he can be very, very good in action movies. And I don't know what was happening here, but it just didn't feel um, like he knew what he was doing in this role so and i don't think the role was great like it's it's not it's not it's a pretty nothing character yeah <laughs> so. I, I don't think that he's necessarily bad i just think that like yeah it's a nothing character that he's trying to like bring his brad pitt charm to but like mm-hmm. that's not quite enough to make this character work yeah um yeah watching this movie ultimately just made me want to watch oceans 11 like as I was yeah, watching yeah. it, I just kept thinking, like, I'd rather be watching Brad Pitt in Ocean's Eleven, a movie yeah. that, like, is concise and moves and it is funny, makes me actually laugh, um, and where Brad Pitt is, like, really great and competent. Yeah. I think the other thing for me is this movie is very long. You mentioned the conciseness Ooh, of Ocean's Eleven. It's so long. <laughs> It's very long, and it's, I mean, it's just over two hours, but also, I think the plot wraps up in this movie at about 90 minutes, and so you're, you just have another 30 minutes to get through of, one, introducing a new character, but also um, an action sequence that is extremely boring and 100% CGI, yeah. and you really don't care about any of anybody, anybody at that point, so... Um, it really feels like it drags. So I want a director. Or I want. I want an action movie to be marketed as like on the poster, like no CGI in the third act. Like if, <laughs> if, if you could promise me no CGI in the third act, and by no CGI, of course, I just mean I just don't want that 
to be all there is. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. Especially, yeah, with the amount of action movies that we've gotten now, that it is true. Every single third act is just um, a smorgasbord of ridiculous action and uh, choreography set completely on a green screen. Right. <laughs> so... Um, yeah. You know what movie uh, has a great third act with very little CGI? What? Prey. You should watch oh, Prey. Oh, good. <laughs> good to know. Um, I do want to... I do want to say some some good things about this movie before we move into spoilers. Yeah. Um, this movie has, like, a, a large cast of characters, and so it's mm-hmm. a lot of performances kind of, like, you know, battling for screen time. Um, my MVP of the movie is Aaron Taylor Johnson. Same. He's yeah. so good in this movie. He's got his Henry Cavill Mission Impossible mustache. <laughs> you know, Aaron Taylor Johnson always is good. Everything I've seen him in, I've always loved mm-hmm. him. But it's a movie like this where you're like, wow, how are you not like the lead in every one of these movies? He's so charismatic, funny, compelling, hot, like confident. It, I, I loved every single moment he was on screen. Like not every single joke that he was made to tell worked, yeah, but like yeah. his presence and his delivery like worked, you know, nine times out of 10. I a hundred percent agree with you there. He, especially like him with Brad Pitt. I'm just like, you should be Brad Pitt. Like you should yeah. be at the Brad Pitt level of stardom at this moment in your life. Right. <laughs> you look fantastic. You are fantastic in all of these movies. Yeah. Um, you're just the most charismatic person here and you're next to Brad Pitt. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, I think his performance is is fantastic. Um, I really also liked um, what's his name, uh, the performance of Andrew Koji, um, yeah. who plays. Uh, well, I don't know if any of these are. Spo- I feel like it's spoilers to talk about who any of these people are um, in this movie, so I won't. Andrew Koji is also fantastic. Um, I don't think he gets as much screen time as I expected, and I will say for this being a bullet train set in japan um from from based on a um a japanese novel uh not a lot of japanese people in this movie yeah (laughs) so um which i think it 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 it, the author of the book was talking about like this making a movie like this with brad pitt as the lead um this is just kind of what you have to do to make it a hollywood movie but also this makes it more of a global movie. Um, you have people playing British Americans, um, you know, Japanese, like there's, it just feels more like a global train, uh, here, which I'm fine with. But I also think that if you're going to put Japanese characters in it, uh, make them real characters. And so I, I don't feel like the, the Japanese characters who are in this were served well. Um, but I feel like that, is entirely secondary to the movie just being bad in general. <laughs> so. Yeah. Also, for a quote-unquote global movie, you got a lot yeah. of Americans with ac- doing fake accents. Like, <laughs> that I found yes. very distracting. I'm not always yeah. mad at Americans, like, taking on roles with, like, you know, British or Russian accents or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But there is a point where, as a viewer... I know that actor is American and I know they're putting on this thick accent that is not theirs and it is distracting whether or not they're good at it. Yeah. And I think someone like 
Brian Tyree Henry, who who is such a distinctive actor, um, putting on a Cockney accent, I think is difficult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's a lot, and I, I don't think he fully nails it. I think he does a great job with what he's got, but um, it's a whole lot, and it feels like a completely different uh, kind of thing that would come out of his mouth. Yeah. So it's hard. It's hard to watch. <laughs> um, my hardest accent to deal with was actually Logan Lerman just because it's just like Logan Lerman. I know you're American. Like this is, (laughs) I just know deep in my bones that you have an American voice and that this is not your accent. Yes. I think it helps that he doesn't talk as much, but I I definitely (laughs) think his, his accent is uh, very rough. (laughs) You know, and again, I don't even know if I, I'm not a good judge of like who's doing a good one or a bad one for me, honestly, Brian Tyree Henry's is probably the roughest. Um, but I also can buy Brian Tyree Henry as British, like the styling (laughs) really worked the, you know, like. I think his chemistry with Aaron Taylor Johnson really worked. Like mm-hmm. I can buy that he is British, even if this accent isn't, maybe it's the best. Um, yeah. Versus Logan Lerman, who I don't know that the accent was bad, but it's just like, you are American. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. Um, anything else you want to say before we get into spoilers? Um. Oh, the last compliment i want to give this movie that i will more elaborate on in spoilers is that structurally there's a lot of things that really excited me about this movie there's a lot of ways that the story was structured that is so appealing um and so again i think most of my frustration is disappointment that like the things that really worked could have been great if the movie as a whole would have been great yeah i think that makes sense I think I can't. I definitely came out of it uh, more depressed <laughs> about what could have been. <laughs> so. Sure, sure. All right. Um, all right. Let's talk spoilers for Bullet Train. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, crack and gas. Spoilers. Remember, you wanted this. I thought one of the more fun things that felt like empty calories, but I actually enjoyed it when it came on screen, were all the cameos. <laughs> yeah. um, not all the cameos, um, uh, but a, a couple cameos that I thought were very fun. Channing Tatum, I think, was was very fun to see just kind of pop up uh, in this movie. This felt like a, a you know a tit for tat for The Lost City earlier this year, <laughs> mm. um, with the three of them back together, right? Um, who I'm trying to think who else Logan Lerman to me feels like a cameo. Um, no, because of, that is not what? a cameo. <laughs> here, I think ultimately here's my question is like, what counts yeah. as a cameo? Because I don't, I don't think he's actually a cameo, but I think he feels like a cameo to yeah. me with how little he's in this movie. Logan Lerman is not famous enough for that to be considered a cameo. I agree. I agree. I think Michael Shannon is a cameo. So that's another great question. So, okay. To me, the two clear cameos are Channing Tatum and then Ryan Reynolds. Um, yes. Right? And, mm-hmm. like, they're, like the purpose to me of a cameo is someone who is there, um, who ultimately isn't billed, and it's a surprise, and they're just there because everyone's going to be like, oh my gosh, I didn't know Channing Tatum was going to be in this, and he's there for a second. Um, I think Michael Shannon is treated as like a full character, but like a surprise, a reveal, right? Like they, they hide I guess that's true. who yes. he is until we see who he is, which 
I gotta say, like, for me, because they're hiding, like, the identity of this character throughout the whole movie, I was, uh-huh. I did feel that build up. And I was like, who are they gonna get? Who is supposed to be this character, right? Yeah. And then when yeah. it slowly revealed he has the long hair and the white streak, for a second, I was like, did they get Steven Tyler to be in this movie? <laughs> I really, for a hot second, thought that that was going to be Steven Tyler. Oh, man. And oh. then when it was Michael Shannon, I was delighted. Um, they made me really happy to see Michael Shannon, to be quite yeah. honest. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think he is... Like his character is absolutely nothing in this movie, but he is a lot of fun, yeah. um, and I was I was also happy to see him. <laughs> now here's my question with Sandra Bullock. Yeah, they don't show Sandra Bullock till the very end, and they mm-hmm. kind of treat it tonally like it's some big reveal, like it's been Sandra Bullock all along. Yeah, like were they expecting to not market this movie with Sandra Bullock in it, and then? revealed to us no they did they marketed they marketed it yeah oh yeah sandra bullock has been all over the marketing for this i did not know that i think the first trailer she's not in it no she's not in the first trailer and that's the only trailer i saw so i didn't know she was in this movie (laughs) Uh, her voice might be in it though i don't remember yeah 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 and so i just think think i didn't recognize the idea is that like yeah i think originally it seems like we're gonna watch this movie and be like whose voice is that? It's so familiar. Mm -hmm. Even though, let me tell you, I would know Sandra Bullock's voice anywhere. (laughs) Um, And then at the end, be like, oh my God, it's Sandra Bullock, movie stars. You know, like, you know, and, but no, she is all over the marketing for this movie. Like, oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In, In all the trailers, she's, they show her like the scenes that she is in, they show her in them. Like, yeah. Wow. Interesting. Okay, yeah. That makes no sense to me. <laughs> no. Very, very yeah. odd choice to, to kind of backtrack that way. Which I get mm-hmm. why you would market a movie as having Sandra Bullock in it. Like, you know, they just yeah. did this movie together. She's Sandra Bullock. But it's, you kind of have to commit one way or the other. I agree. I guess also, like, I am not familiar with Bad Bunny. I, I believe he's, like, a musician. Um, mm-hmm. but he plays the wolf. So I guess some people might also consider that like a cameo in some sense. I wouldn't because um, he's a character. Similar to like Michael Shannon. Zazie, I would, I would put Zazie Beats in there as well. Like her and Bad Bunny have, actually he's got more screen time than she does. Yeah. Um, but I would put them in there as characters in the movie that have just tiny parts more than cameos. Sure. Um, one thing I want to say about the, the, the wolf section is yeah. this movie is like pretty violent, right? And mm-hmm. I'm not like anti-violence in these movies, but it also just doesn't do much for me. Like these, yeah. you know, movies where it just have like extra tons gory. of blood, extra yeah. gore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I loved about the Bad Bunny sequence is that the, it, I thought it was the best in terms of storytelling. There's not a lot of dialogue in them. Like it's mm-hmm. a kind of like a silent film. And the way that they conveyed, like, this guy is an assassin through fashion choices, through, like, every yes. one of his victims, he, like, steals their boots or their hat or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was delighted by that. To me, I was like, if I wish more movies would do things like this, that, like, convey violence, convey, like, a character with, you know, very little, doing, by doing very little. Yeah, yeah. 
I also enjoyed that. And that was one of the first flashback sequences that we got. Yeah. And and at that point, I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting if we're going to get flashbacks kind of telling everybody's backstory on this train. Um, I'm curious to see how it goes because that one was so interesting. Right. And then they were not all that interesting and we did not get flashbacks for everybody, which was weird because it, it set it up in a way that like, this is how we're telling the story. And then it abandoned it. And so the flashbacks that you didn't get kind of made you feel like, uh, <laughs> I mean, I like think you we knew what, get what was them being for hidden. everyone except for Joey King. You don't get it for Joey King. You don't get it for Brad Pitt at all. Yeah. Um, you don't get it for, well, you don't get it for Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brian Tyree Henry until the end. You get a little flashback. I mean, yeah, um, but you get you get that whole like of other jobs that they've done. Like, oh, that's true. That's true. You're right. Yeah. What I will say is that I loved that structure. I love the structure of there's a train with a bunch of people on it, all after the same item or or, or mm-hmm. have different goals, and we're gonna take time away from this train to like tell little mini move, make little mini movies about each of them. Yeah. Um, and I yeah. really was into that. It felt kind of like uh, an Agatha Christie novel almost. Like we're yeah. all like everyone here has a story that they're bringing to the train, you know, like. Yeah. Which is like a classic Guy Ritchie movie. Like it is, yeah. it feels completely stolen from him in a way that they just couldn't do it better here. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, like you said, like not all of them were super compelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that I really liked about the structure was. The idea that the bullet train only stops for 60 seconds. Yes. Love that as like a mechanical element in this story. Like, okay, mm-hmm. this the train is going to stop every so often. And every single time we have, our characters have 60 seconds to get on or off or make a decision. Yeah. Um, love that. And I like, I like those 60 second chunks. Like almost every single time the train stops, it's a very interesting, very tense scene of somebody trying to get off the train and and can't get off the train or somebody wanting to get on the train and, and, you know, being able to like that, that tension there was always fun. All of those sequences I think were some of my, my most fun. Um, Yeah. There were two jokes in this movie that really worked for me. And one of them was in that 60 seconds when Brad Pitt was off the train with the suitcase. That was that's that was the funniest thing in the entire movie. Uh, truly. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I think I didn't like about the train is not knowing the geography of it. Mm-hmm. Um like Snowpiercer, one of the interesting things about that movie is the back of the train is always to the left and the front of the train is always to the right. And so as you're you're always oriented into which way is which on the train. Now, with that movie, it's characters trying to get from the back of the train to the front. So you are invest like the story is invested in letting you know if they're moving forward or not. Right. I do think this movie doesn't need to be that specific, but constantly I was just like I have no idea what car you're in. I don't know if that matters. I don't right. know where people, other people are on this train, if they're close to you, if they're not. Yeah. Um, and a lot of this movie is people trying to find other people on this train. And so having no clue what the geography and layout of this train are uh, made just made it, I think, really difficult to, to ground and orient yourself. That is such a great point. Something I, I totally didn't notice. And now that I think about it, like was disorienting throughout the the whole watching experience mm-hmm. and would have like yeah grounded me so much if I could have had that as a through point. 
Because I think they they did try to make some of the cars distinctive. Like you have the first sure. class car, you have I think the regular car, and you have the um, almost the the dining car, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then the car with the kids show thing in it. Mm-hmm. Like to me, those are the four cars um, that we spend a lot of time in. Um, but I have no idea where they are in the train, and if there are more cars, we don't really get to see them. Um, and so it just felt like those are the only things that I knew where, like, I could recognize where people are, but it doesn't actually matter in, in context. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, the, the last but. thing I wanted to say about, like, kind of the way this movie structures itself is that I do, I mean, I am a sucker for all these people were connected and they didn't know it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. how that's revealed at the end. I found, like, mildly satisfying, um. I think if I enjoyed myself more throughout the movie, I would have enjoyed that reveal more. Um, yeah. But nevertheless, like, happy to have yes. it. Yeah. And I think one of the other things that was very funny to me at the end, I think it's a very dumb joke, but I thought it was hilarious, is the fact that Brad Pitt was just filling in for the guy who was sick. Yes. Basically filling in for Ryan Reynolds, and he's actually not supposed to be here. Right. <laughs> so. Right. Um, um. I also actually did love, you know, this movie isn't, I wouldn't say deep at all, <laughs> but no. the moment that I was kind of like, wow, that, that was really special was when we like, when the, the elder, um, describes how like lady, but like we think ladybugs are lucky and that nickname yeah. being ladybug is like to bring luck. He's like, when really like ladybugs hold all of our bad luck and yeah. like, and that Brad Pitt is this like chamber for the bad luck of the world um i I liked that concept of you know me too and i I thought it was special if the movie had maybe just taken time to have a few more moments like that um Mm -hmm. the the other two moments that i felt like moved by were the two death the very it was very romeo and juliet the two death scenes of lemon and tangerine yes agreed um, they, I feel like were the heart of the movie <laughs> for yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and I wish, I, I wish this movie had been about something like, like you said, like those moments you're like really craving for, Yeah. not even like a theme, but just like some kind of emotional connection to this movie. And like you said, the ladybug uh, part I thought was really great. And then their connection was really great. And it's just like center the movie around something. <laughs> You know, and build so, on it from there. <laughs> it's so funny that you said that because I have the IMDb page for this movie pulled up and mm-hmm. I was kind of just scrolling through and there's, you know, a, a section called user reviews um, yeah. that I never reviewed, re- never reviewed, no. <laughs> never read. Um, but there, the top user review at the moment for this page, the first line says, if you're fed up of dreary Oscar contenders making points and taking age to get them, get to them, this is for you. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, oh yeah, I'm so tired of my movies making points, <laughs> yeah. having something to say. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you're right, this is the movie for you if that is something that you're tired of. If you're sick of coherent movies that are about something, this is the movie for you. <laughs> this is the movie for you. Yeah. Oh, man. So, well, it looks like this movie isn't for everybody. It looks like it's found its audience, um, and it's yeah. not us. So I really want Brad Pitt to do more action movies, and I want him to do more comedy movies. Um, I just want him to do good ones. So, And I want Aaron Taylor Johnson to get the, the right movie, be the right lead. I agree. I agree. We've been watching him for a very long time, and yeah. 
it's time for him to shine. Um, All right. I think that about does it for us. Um, Sandra, where can we find you? Everywhere on the internet. Um, You can find me on all social media platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And you can find me on Twitter at Lucas and Stuff. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye, now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yep. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 